morning and welcome to Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Good. It's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. God gave us a beautiful day to come worship. Amen? 
Amen. Amen. It's spring break for a lot of us, so I mean, it's, it's good. It's a good time. So glad that you're here. If you're our guest this morning, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's an honor and privilege to have you here. And then those of you online, thank you for tuning in. Um, we can't wait to see you back here, and we're praying for you, and we've been praying for our church. Everyone just stay healthy and get through this, continue to get through this difficult time. Uh, but I, I believe we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Amen? And uh, it's going to be really, really good. Um, so I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up, and we're going to pray and ask God to bless our services this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you so much for bringing us together today uh, at, at Kavanaugh Church. We're so thankful for this place. It's, it's incredibly precious to us to be able to gather here and be able to worship you. Uh, not just to worship, though, uh, to hear your word preached. Um, we believe that as your word is preached and people hear it, that change can truly happen. And we want that to happen in this day. For many of us, we've experienced that life-saving grace by you. But there might be someone here today that this might be their first time where they really hear it. So we're praying for uh, changed lives and touched hearts by you. Lord, we love you. And again, we believe that you are going to do something awesome here today. Be with Brother Will as he, he brings the message. And Lord, helps us to be the people you want us to be in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
super excited about this next song. The title of it is called Famous For. And uh, it, the lyrics of it talk of recounting the stories in the Bible. Um, it starts in the Old Testament where um, God showed up and did the impossible for his children. And it talks of um, when he led the children out of bondage in Egypt and they faced the Red Sea and he parted the waters and they literally walked through waters because of God. And it talks of um, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, but it wasn't just them. God was in the fire with them. It tells of when God shut the mouths of lions for Daniel and how with Ezekiel, Jason preached on this recently, how he just called the dry bones to life. And God did the impossible. And in the book of Joshua, it tells that his fame spread throughout all of the land. Everyone knew that the God of the Israelites could do the impossible. Did you know that the scripture says, I am the Lord, I change not. And that means that same God that delivered them is the same God that we serve, right? And he tells us that there's nothing that we can ask or think that he, wait, let me, let me rephrase that. How does it go? God of exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, right? He is the God of that. You know, our church really has taken a step of faith. And last year when we decided we were going to do it, it's our turn. It's our turn to step out on faith, Amen. right? And do something incredible for God. And then the pandemic hit. And there were many who said, you should stop. You should not take another step and go forward with this. But the leadership of this church said, you know what? The people before us have done it. We're going to do it. It's our turn to step out on faith and watch the God of the impossible work for us. Amen? Amen. So this song is entitled Famous For, and this has been my prayer for weeks and weeks and weeks that we will just have just a little bit of faith and step out and just have God show up and do what he's famous for.
is famous. Thank you, and you may be seated. Hey, Kavanaugh Church family and friends. A year ago, we broke. Hey, Kavanaugh Church family and friends. A year ago, we broke ground to build our new worship center, and I want to give you an update as to where we are. Behind me is the new parking lot where many of you will be parking. Let's go inside and check out our entryway and We Worship Center. This is the east entrance to our new lobby. It's 120 feet from this door to the adjacent doors. You'll walk into this massive lobby area. On my right is the new men's restroom. It's three times bigger than our present men's restroom. And on the other side will be the women's restroom. You'll enter the We Worship area from here. On the right side is the cry room for mothers with new babies. And on the left side is going to be the check-in center for We Worship. It becomes secure at this point when you go through these doors. There will be three new We Worship classrooms to our right, a huge We Worship room on my left, and then this goes into Kids Church, Brother Johnny's area. Secure one way in, one way out. Let's check out the rest of this entry area. I love the big open field that we have in here. This lobby is so massive, we're going to be able to do numerous things. We could even have weddings in this area. We can have receptions, feed people, and it's going to be a great place together when we come into worship. As we move to the west side of the lobby, one of the key features is our new Kavanaugh coffee area. This is the place we come to, to get ready for worship right here. It is going to be awesome. Around this corner is another area for the entry, a seating area. And then we go through these doors. We'll have another entrance here coming into the office area. This wall is going to be cut out. It will be the entrance going into the office and our older building. And it flows right into the new building. Kavanaugh Church, a year ago we started our campaign, It's Our Turn. Because of COVID, we had to push the pause button. On April the 4th, we're going to relaunch It's Our Turn. We're going to be able to pay for this building through your generous donations and gifts because it's our turn. Worship center of our new building, it is absolutely awesome. I want you to be praying with me about this big date that's coming up April 4th. Uh, it is Easter Sunday, and I'm always excited about Easter. We get to experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to couple that with the relaunching of It's Our Turn. So it's going to be a double impact Sunday, April 4th. Will you join me as we pray for a huge day on April 4th, just coming up in a couple of weeks? 
I'm doing a series uh, on Sunday mornings through the book of 2 Corinthians. We're talking about turning the, the pressure of life into praise for our God. And it's incredible as we read Paul's words in 2 Corinthians, Paul had a lot of problems. I mean, he had new problems every day, but somehow the Apostle Paul was able to take those problems and turn them into praise, and God used those problems to make him a better person. And I think God can do the same thing for you as well. Today we're going to talk about living with confidence, and I think that's an interesting topic. On Wednesday night we had a youth-led service, and it was awesome. Our teenagers led us in worship, and then Brother Nathan preached, and over a dozen times he talked about having confidence, and his confidence was in God. And that leads us right into the subject matter for today. This past week I spent some time on Amazon.com looking at current books that are available that talk about having confidence or being a confident person. And there were literally hundreds of books available that you can buy to help you with your self-esteem, your low self-esteem, being confident in life. For example, here are some titles. There's one book in, entitled The Confidence Code. It is the science and art of self-assurance, and it's what every woman should know. So ladies, I'm not endorsing this book, but there it is. It's everything you need to know if you are lacking confidence. There it is, The Confidence Code. Another book entitled Unstoppable Confidence. That sounds pretty powerful, doesn't it? My favorite, though, my favorite, Jason, was a book in, entitled Confident Ninja. <laughs> it's a children's book about developing self-confidence and self-esteem in little kids. So the little ninja, man, I, I need that one, no doubt. Ultimate Secrets of Total Self-Confidence. How to Have Confidence and Power in Dealing with People. And then this next series of books I'm really into, Five Weeks to Self-Confidence. Just five weeks, all it takes. Or how about this? Ten days to more confident public speaking. I need that book, no doubt about it. 365 ways to raise confident kids. Six secrets of confident women. And here's the last one. What's holding you back? 30 days to having courage and confidence. Man, there it is. You know, from five to 365 days, it's all you need, you know? <laughs> To be a confident person. All of us want to tackle life with confidence, do we not? We want that for ourselves. We want it for our kids. I sure want it for my grandkids. Well, if you really want to know the ultimate secrets of self-confidence, then I've got a book for you. It's a book in the Bible, and it's called 2 Corinthians. One of the themes of this book is that we should live confidently even when we're under pressure. Paul uses that word confident or confidence over 12 times in this little book, and I really believe the whole book of 2 Corinthians could be titled, Why I Am a Confident Person Despite the Problems and Pressures of Life by the Apostle Paul. In our study through 2 Corinthians, we're coming to chapter 5 today. And I just want you to notice before I read the passage what Paul is saying in this, in this segment of Scripture. He says in verse 1, for we know. 
He's being confident in that. In verse 6, so we are always confident. And then in verse 8, we are confident, yes. So here is a man who has been rejected. He's been ridiculed, beaten down, battered, and criticized. Yet his opponents were totally stymied when it came to shaking his confidence because Paul came right back at them and said, I know, I am confident, I am always confident. So let's read this paragraph and see what all of this confidence is about. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, he's talking about your body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is Almighty God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee or as a deposit. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, that is, pleasing to Jesus Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, you're going to have to stand before God and give an account of your life. Heavenly Father, I pray that right now you would speak to our hearts through your word and by your Holy Spirit. Lord, as I speak on the outside, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak into our hearts the word of truth. Give us confidence in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. There you go. Uh, let's break this passage down. Paul is telling us how we can be confident believers in Jesus Christ. The first point is this. Confident people think a whole lot about heaven. Confident people are contemplating heaven. That is, confident Christians think a great deal about the unseen world, which one day is going to become the visible world, and that is heaven. One of the troublesome things about this passage is the way the chapter division falls. Really, verse 1 of chapter 5 is a continuation of what Paul talked about at the end of chapter 4. And I know you remember what he said in chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, because that's what we preached on last week, right? Y'all remember that? Well, just to refresh your memories, this is what he said at the end of chapter 4. Look at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't give up hope. Why? Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man, that is the soul, the spirit man, is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is just for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we do not look on the things which are seen, but on the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, those things are eternal. So what Paul is saying is this, in this life we're living right now, we're going to have momentary troubles. And those troubles pop up every day. Every day you have a new set of worries in your life, a new set of problems. Are you with me? I mean, it could be a financial difficulty. It could be problems at work or problems at school. It could be problems within your family. It could be a new ache. Anybody have a new ache this week? All right. I did. I had a new problem that developed, and I sure hope it goes away soon. But every day we have our own set of problems. Paul is saying all of those problems are like little bitty weights on one side of the scale. Now, if that's all we're consumed with and that's all we look at and all we think about, those little bitty light weights, they amount to something big in our life and that's all we can see. That's all we can think about. But guys, I want to remind you this morning, if you are a believer, you are an heir to eternal life in Jesus Christ and everything that comes with that. We have the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And when you put that on the other side of the scales, you got your little bitty problems over here that are lightweight problems, and you compare that to eternity and all of the glory and all the greatness that awaits us in heaven. There's no comparison. Paul is saying, I can make it through these little bitty problems over here because I have something really good waiting for me. And that is heaven. So here's what we do. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. So whenever you're tempted to lose heart, think about heaven. Because we know that our bodies right now are merely tents that will collapse at some point. But we have an eternal house in heaven, not made with human hands. And let's look at that for a second because it's really intriguing. He talks about that in verse 1. Now, we know that if this early earthly tent we live in is destroyed. And what he's referring to there when he talks about this early earthly tent is our own human bodies right now. Everybody look at your hands. Look at your hands, everybody. Okay. Look at your arms. Look at your feet, which are in your shoes. But you know what those ugly feet look like. You know He's talking about our bodies, and he's saying our human bodies right now are like tents. Okay? I want to ask a question, and you respond. Well, you can respond to me. How many of you have ever been tent camping? Come on, raise your hand if you've ever stayed a night in a tent. Come on. Some of you are not raising your hands, and I know that you've been in the tent before. My family love to go tent camping. Jason, your boys like to go tent camping? They love it. It's, it's cool. It's an adventure. It's awesome. Angie would take the kids out in the backyard and tent camp all the time. Well, I stayed in the house. But I have been tent camping. And you know what? It's okay for a night or two, isn't it? It's a lot of fun the first night. Maybe the second night. But did you know the other 363 days of the week, I would rather be in my house. I would rather be sleeping in my bed with carpet on the floor and my light right beside my bed, 
a thermostat that controls the temperature in my room, and a bathroom about 10 paces away. That's what I would rather have right there. Tents are not meant to live in permanently. Tents are temporary dwellings. And at some point, if you go tent camping, you're going to loosen the cords. You're going to pull up the stakes. You're going to collapse the tent, pack it up, and put it back in the attic where it belongs. And the Lord is using that as a picture of our human bodies. Right now, we are living in tents. This is a temporary dwelling place for our soul. Because this planet is not our home. We are pilgrims here. We're strangers here. This world is not our home. But one day, this body is going to be resurrected by the power of God to be glorified and eternalized. And compared to this earthly dying body, my new body is going to be a solid mansion. And that's something to look forward to. And so right now, what's going on in your tent is that your body, your tent is groaning. That's what Paul said here. It's the word he uses. You're groaning. And I've heard some of you groan as you walk through the hall. I know you do it. We get tired of living in a tent, and we long for our heavenly dwelling. And so confident people think a whole lot about heaven. Why? Because it gives us hope for the future. We know what's waiting for us. Now, this passage inspires confidence for obvious reasons. Because when you're certain that something is going to happen and end favorably, it inspires a natural confidence in you. I don't remember when this was because I lose track of timing, but a few years ago, the Dallas Cowboys were playing a big game on Sunday afternoon. It was an early game, 12 o'clock game, and we're all huge Cowboy fans in my house. Everybody roots for the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I had to do something up here at the church, and so I was late getting home. And, and uh, on the way home, I turned on the radio to check on the score. And, and it was at, right at the end of the game. Come to find out, uh, Dallas was getting beat, which, you know. But they made this miraculous comeback. And right at the end of the game, end of the fourth quarter, they scored, and they won the game. And I heard that on the radio going home. And so when I walked in the house, I was surprised to hear the TV playing the Dallas Cowboy football game, and it was in the fourth quarter. And I said, Ange, what, what, what's going on with the Cowboys? And she said, oh, well, we, we had to pause it because something happened, and, and we're just now watching it, but it's not looking good for the Cowboys. <laughs> it's not looking good. I don't know if they can pull this out. And, and I went in there, and the whole family was home, kids, everybody was there, and and so I just sat down in my chair, and, and my boy, Zane, he said, oh, they, there ain't no way they're going to do it. They, they can't pull this one out. And I said, now, Zane, <laughs> come on, dude. Let's, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's, let's go ahead and root for them because I don't, I don't know. I just kind of feel in my soul they're going to win this game. I, just, I feel really good about it, man. And sure enough, I, I led them to victory, man, you know, right there at the and they, they won the game, and, you know, the, the whole family was worried about it, but I wasn't worried because I knew the outcome. Look at me. Everybody look at balcony. Look at me. Online, look at me. I've read the end of the book. Hey, that's worth clapping about right there. We know what happens at the end of the book. 
we know who wins. And no matter how difficult your problems become, and no matter how sinful this world turns, we know who wins. God wins. And in Christ, you win. It would do you good sometime just to turn off the news, quit reading the newspaper, get off your phone, and think about heaven. Confident people think a whole lot about heaven. But it gets better. Number two, confident people are plugged into the power source. And they stay plugged into the power source. Look at verse 5. I love verse 5. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. In other words, it is God himself who is preparing us for the experience of putting on immortality and for experiencing eternal life. And as a down payment for this, as a guarantee for what is to come, he has given us the inner resources of his Holy Spirit. God says, I guarantee heaven is coming. And as a down payment for this, as a guarantee for this, I am putting my spirit inside of you. This is a point that the Apostle Paul continually makes in this book of, of 2 Corinthians. Go back with me to chapter 1, and let's look at verses 22, 21 and 22. He says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Set, he has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I want you to get hung up on that little phrase, he has put his spirit in our hearts. Because that is exactly what he do, does when you get saved. Amen. I was a little kid when I invited Jesus into my heart, six years old at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church. My preacher preached on hell. I got convicted. I got, it, really, I got scared. It, it scared it out of me, I'll tell you the truth. And, and I went down and I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. The moment I asked Jesus into my heart, God gave me his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit took up residence in my life, and he immediately began to go to work in my life, recreating the attitudes and the personality of Jesus in and through my life. He formed Christ within me. He edified me, and he edifies you, and he sanctifies us, and he bears witness within us of the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He fills us with himself. He empowers us for service. He reproves us and exhorts us and helps us with our infirmities. He guides us into all truths. And when we read the Word of God, He illumines us as we study Scripture. He bestows spiritual gifts on us for ministry. And He enables us to live in victory and to work effectively in the kingdom of God. That's the power of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want you to put this together. May this connect in your brain right now. If you have Jesus in your heart... That means you have the Holy Spirit of God. And when you have the Holy Spirit of God, you have the power of God in your life. It is the same power that God used to bring Jesus out of the grave. That's in your life. 
It's by the Holy Spirit. And when you walk around every day and remind yourself, I've got the Spirit of God inside of me. Greater is he who lives in me than he who is in the world. It's going to boost your confidence. You're going to be able to look the devil square in the eyes and say, give me your best shot, dude. <laughs> and it's going to fall short because I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. Man. Wow. Someone once told Billy Graham something that he never forgot. The guy said, we need Jesus Christ for our eternal life, but we need the Holy Spirit for our internal life. And Graham talked about that when he wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and he told the story of his own life to illustrate that. He said it all happened back in 1954 when they sailed to England for a three-month crusade. It was early in his ministry, and he had never really done anything as big as this. But on the ship over to England, he fell into a deep depression. I mean, the devil attacked him, and, and he, he knew his own inadequacies, and, and he was scared to death. And th this is what he said in effect, what in the world are we doing going to England? What have I gotten myself into? How could this possibly work? This crusade in England, we're sailing right toward an expensive and very public failure. And he said, all of a sudden, I went into a panicky sweat. I was frantic. I, I saw my own inadequacies, and I didn't know how in the world I was going to be able to do this. But he went on to write in the book and said, you know, it was in a prayer meeting with my wife and my colleagues that a breakthrough came. As I wept before the Lord, he said, I was filled with deep assurance that power belonged to God and that my God was faithful. I'd been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ when I was saved, but I believe that God gave me a special anointing on the way to England. And from that moment on, I was confident that God the Holy Spirit was in control of my life and everything he led me into. And I want you to pick up on what Billy Graham said. He said, from that moment on, I was confident. From the moment I realized God's spirit was in me and the God who can do the impossible could do the impossible in my life. Guys, that, that, is, that is huge. And you don't have to be Billy Graham to have that in your life. Just you with your everyday life. As we face challenges that would otherwise deflate us and defeat us, we can go to the Lord in prayer and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us will give us the necessary power and grace and strength and confidence to do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. So confident people, they think a whole lot about heaven. Confident people stay plugged into the power source. And then number three, confident people, they just want to please Jesus. I mean, that's their aim, their goal in life is to please Jesus. Let me read about this in verses 6 through 10. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, this is our goal, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, 
whether good or bad. Before I talk about this, let me do a little pause on this last verse. Did you realize that you, every one of you, will stand before the throne of God and give an account of your own life? You, you can't get a free pass away from that. That's going to happen to you eventually. And nobody's going to be with you. It's just going to be you before God, and you give an account of your life. Paul says you're going to give an account of everything you've done, whether it's good or whether it's bad. You say, well, what hope do I have on that day? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, he's your only hope, but you've got to trust him now. You've got to make it your aim right now to please Jesus. Your goal in life, Paul says, my aim is to be well-pleasing to him. Confident people want to please Jesus Christ. Some, some years ago, Gary, I'll talk to you about this because you know what I'm talking about. I was preaching a revival down in Warren, Arkansas, and, and uh, the particular day, I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, the preacher had something to do, so he said, well, you just, you just go do what you want to do. So I drove back up to Pine Bluff. Now, you all know that I spent seven years of my life in Pine Bluff, and, and I had some great experiences, great people there. It was also a lot of trouble, too, but I had, I had a good time. So I got good memories of Pine Bluff, drove up there that day and spent the whole day in Pine Bluff. I hadn't been there in years. And so some things were the same, but a lot of things had changed. And, and I went outside of town looking at some stuff that, you know, we used to go, we used to go uh, out on this little lake out there and, and uh, water ski outside of Pine Bluff. And I, was, I want to drive out to that little lake, and, and I want to see where we used to water ski and take the kids to. And, and, and as I was driving out there, I kind of got, I felt like I was lost because I hadn't been there in years. And everything had changed. Some of the landmarks had been torn down and new things had been built. And, and I was driving and I, and I looked at my watch and I was running out of time. I needed to get back down to Warren. I was starting to freak out because I'm lost. I didn't know where I was. Have you ever felt like that? And more than anything, Ronnie, I was aggravated because I am Mr. Navigation, you know? But my navigational skills were going haywire, and I was, I was panicking because I didn't know where I was. But then all of a sudden, I saw a familiar landmark. And I knew I was on the right road after all. Whew, man. I tell you what, when our goal in life is to please the Lord, it inspires confidence. Why? Because we know we're on the right road. We know we're doing the right thing. And the great thing about pleasing Jesus is that we get to do that on both sides of eternity. Notice what Paul said here. So we make it our aim, our goal to please him, whether at home in the body or away from it. As long as I'm alive on this earth, my goal is to please Jesus Christ. But when I die and go to heaven, guess what? I have the exact same goal. My goal in life never changes. My goal is to please Jesus. For, for most people, their life's goals come to an end when they die. And if they've reached those goals, great. But you know what? Most people fall short. Most people never reach their goals. And then when they die, it's all over with. They're going to be snatched away in death, and they're never going to feel the experience of reaching their goal. But for Christians, we go right on with the same goal. And it will be met when we stand before him in heaven and all things are made right. You see, it's our primary pursuit and purpose, whether we're alive on this earth or alive in heaven. We just want to please Jesus. 
My, my goal every day when I wake up, one of my prayers every day is, Lord, I, I pray that I'd glorify you today. I pray that I would stand before you and I would please you and that I would do everything that you want me to do today. All I want to do today, Jesus, is please you because I know if I've pleased you, I've lived a good life today. Help me to please you. And you know what that does? That inspires confidence in living because we know what our objective is. And we know if we're on the right road. I guarantee you, I know if I'm pleasing him every day. I know if I'm saying the right things, doing the right things, thinking the right things, going the right place. I know that. Why do I know that? Because I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And if I go haywire and get off on the wrong road, the Holy Spirit's going to say, Hey, Will, you're on the wrong road, dude. Let's get back over here on Jesus' highway and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We know where we're headed, and it gives us purpose in life. It gives us confidence. The Bible has a lot of verses about that. How about Proverbs 14, 26? In the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. If I know that I'm living according to God's word, I have confidence. Jeremiah 17, 17. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. Now, I'm not a betting man, so I'm not going to say I would bet. But I would assume that most of the people in this room struggle with self-doubt. Have you ever struggled with self-doubt? Maybe with shyness, a sense of inferiority. Everybody? You look at me and say, oh, man, that's... That's a confident guy up there. Let me tell you, no, I'm not. I've struggled with all those things. I struggle with inadequacy. I struggle with, with shyness. I struggle getting up and speaking in front of people. Believe it or not, I struggle with that. But the Bible says, Will Harmon, if God is for you, who can be against you? And when I keep my focus on heaven, and I stay plugged into the power source, and all I'm wanting to do is please the Lord Jesus Christ with my life, guess what? I can live with confidence. I can overcome the junk the devil throws into my path. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm about to shut this plane down. We're, going to, we're coming in for a landing. Y'all ready to... But in the closing moments of this message, I want to end this sermon with a kind of commissioning service. I'm going to commission each one of you to preach. Okay? I want to empower all of you to preach a little sermon to yourself. See, I can't be around you 24 hours a day. You wouldn't want me around you 24 hours a day, would they, Miss Angie? I can't be around to preach these little sermons to you. And you know what? Sometimes my sermons are not exactly what you need on a given day. Therefore, I want to deputize you. And I want to show you how to preach to the hardest congregation of all, yourself. You see, confident people preach to themselves from the truth of God's word every day. Confident people remind themselves of his promises. So here's your sermon. We're going to put it up on the board, and I want you to write it down. I am full of confidence today. Write that down. 
I am full of confidence today. Say that with me right now. I am full of confidence today because of three things. Number one, I am full of confidence today because God the Father has a house for me in the heavens that has not been built by human hands. Do you get that? God the Father has a place for me in heaven. That gives me confidence. Oh, yeah, I got some little troubles over here, and they're kind of weighing me down. But when I take my eyes off of these aches and pains and problems here, and I look towards heaven, man, those two can't even compare. So I've got confidence because of God the Father. Number two, God the Spirit lives within me as a divine deposit of what is to come. So I can live life confidently knowing that the same power that raised Jesus out of the grave is living inside of me. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Number three. I am full of confidence today because God the Son gives meaning to my life as I seek to please Him whether in life or death. And every day I'm going to make it my go. Miss Gail, when I get up every morning, I'm going to pray that prayer. Lord, help me to be the person you want me to be. Help me to bring praise, honor, and glory to your name. And I pray more than anything, dear Jesus, help me to please you with everything I do today. Puts me on the right road. I'm walking down the right road, and because of that, I have confidence in living. Now, here's the deal. I am confident today because of three things. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are working in me. I have the triune God living inside of me and is for me. And if God is for me, you tell me who can be against me. I'm one, I've won. I'm on victory side. I'm going to close with the words from Paul in Romans chapter 8. Here's what Paul said. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am confident. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So devil, hit me with your best shot. (laughs) And it's going to fall short. Not because I'm arrogant. And not because I think I can do it on my own. I am confident today because I serve the living God. And you can be confident too. I'm going to ask that you bow your head, close your eyes, and stand to your feet. Would you stand up? Those watching online, do this with us. Just stand to your feet. Maybe you're here today and and you're, you're longing for that confidence. You've read all these other books and they've fallen short because they're not plugged into the right power source. You want real confidence in living. Well, let me tell you, it, it comes through a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, you can do that this way. You can do it right now. It, it's pretty simple. We say it's as simple as 
A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus can save you, and he's the only one who can. And C, confess him as Lord of your life. If you'd like to do that, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I believe you are the Son of God. And I ask that you save me. Lord, help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. And if you've prayed that prayer, see me or one of the pastors after service today. We want to pray with you and help you in your growth and walk with Jesus. For the rest of you, let me tell you, you can be a confident person today if you keep your focus on heaven, stay plugged into the power source, and live every day to please Jesus. And Lord, I pray for my friends who are listening to me today, those online and those in this room. Help us, dear Lord, to be the confident Christian you've called us to be. Lord, for those of us dealing with, with issues and problems, I pray, dear Lord, that we would just turn those over to you and that we would be confident in your power to deal with those things. Help us, dear Lord, to live for you and please you in all that we do and say. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Would you sit down just for a second? I want to share with you a couple of announcements and, and then I'll, I'll let you take off and get out of here. If you're a guest today, a couple of things. In that pew back in front of you, you'll see a little uh, QR code. It's kind of hidden on that pew back in front of you, but it's there. Take your smart device, your phone, and put it on the uh, camera app, and uh, just put it up to that QR code, and it'll connect you with KavanaughChurch.com, and you can register as a guest there. Just ask a couple of questions. We want to connect with you that way, or if you just want to fill out a guest card, I encourage you to do that. There were people in the first service who did. They filled one out. Then they went to the connect counter, which is right outside of this uh, wall right here. We've got a gift we want to give to you and answer any questions that you might have about our church. So do that before you leave. Uh, for those who are church members, Kavanaugh people, when you walk out, make sure you drop your offering in one of those little black boxes. And I want to invite everybody, everybody this evening, to tune in to uh, Kavanaugh Facebook Live at 630 we have another Bible study that's going to be an, an interview. Jason and Joy uh, sit down with Michael and Amra Nicholson, and they talk to these guys about um, the benefits of being a church member and the benefits of serving in your local church. Uh, if you've never met uh, Michael and Amra, watch the, the lesson tonight. You'll get to know them, a great young couple, and they talk about the benefits of being a part of Kavanaugh Church. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, I've got a good friend who's going to be here. His name is Don Matchett. Uh, Don pastored in Arkansas for years. Then he became the Arkansas Missions Director. Now he's in Nashville on the International Missions staff. And he's the liaison between international missions and churches. Don's a good friend of mine. He's going to be here Wednesday night. He's a great guitar player and singer. And so hopefully I'll get him to, to sing you a song. But he's also going to preach. So please be here and... Uh, Meet Don and listen to Don as he talks about international missions. Today is International Missions Prayer Day. And so I'm going to ask that when you go home today and through the day, think about missionaries and what they're doing and serving on foreign fields and just pray and ask God to bless our missionaries as they take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. One last thing. This is from Miss Gail, and I don't want to mess this up, Gail, so... 
I'm going to read it. She says, don't forget to sign up either online or at the Connect table for the Spring Ladies Bible Study. Y'all are going to study Elijah. Cost for the book is $18. Books must be paid and ordered by next Sunday, March 28th, in order to get them here for the beginning of the study. If you have any questions, Miss Gail's going to be at the Connect counter to answer those questions and to sign you up. I want you to remember one thing. The staff loves you. I love you. But most of all, God loves you. Go with him today.